2: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Adi Bolaños in San Francisco. The number of COVID-positive hospital patients continues to climb in L.A. County. As KPCC's Jackie Fortier reports, the county could be headed for another public mask mandate.
0: Almost 990 COVID-positive patients are hospitalized in L.A. County right now. If that continues to rise, the community risk level could hit the CDC's high threshold as soon as next week. And if L.A. County stays in the high-risk category for two weeks, a public indoor mask mandate will be reinstated. Here's County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer.
3: There are many people, particularly in essential work environments, where they would benefit if more people around them were actually using some of the safety precautions that we know work. And that's the case with masking.
0: L.A. County has been in the medium community risk level since mid-May. Ferrer said hospitals, emergency rooms, and urgent care centers are reporting more COVID-related illnesses. About nine people die each day in L.A. County from the virus. For The California Report, I'm Jackie Fortier in Los Angeles. In
2: other virus-related news, monkeypox cases have doubled in California in the last week, and more than a third of those cases are in San Francisco where vaccine supply isn't keeping up. KQED's Vanessa Rangaño has more.
0: Calls for more monkeypox vaccine have come in the wake of recent Pride events, which helped spread the virus. It transmits through skin contact and can cause flu-like symptoms and blister-like sores. San Francisco AIDS Foundation CEO Tyler Termir says his organization has 400 people on a waiting list for the vaccine. But he's only received enough shots for 30 people.
4: We need vaccines. We need them now. We are really pushing to try and get at least 1,000 doses of vaccine in the next 30 days to be able to respond effectively before it grows into a larger issue. This is really a critical time.
0: Peter Chin Hong is an infectious disease specialist at UCSF.
4: If we don't really intervene very powerfully now, we may not be able to have this fizzle out uh, and go away forever. In other words, this may become endemic.
0: San Francisco public health officials say they received over 2,000 new vaccine doses this week. That's almost four times what they got the week before. And they expect that supply to increase. Right now, their goal is to give shots to as many people as possible who have been directly exposed to the monkeypox virus. As more doses become available, they'll expand eligibility to other high-risk groups, including those who are immunocompromised. For The California Report, I'm Vanessa Rancano.
2: Now let's go down south. Friendship Park on the U.S.-Mexico border is a place where families separated by the border can see and talk to each other through the fence. But new plans by the Biden administration to rebuild the border wall may put an end to that tradition. KPBS border reporter Gustavo Solis spoke with activists who are angered by the new development.
4: Yeah, this latest announcement really amounts to the complete desecration of this historic location.
5: That's Rev. John Fannestill, a longtime advocate for Friendship Park. He says that replacing the existing fences with two 30-foot-tall walls would destroy any sense of binational unity in this space. Friendship Park is located in the coastal borderlands in the southern edge of San Diego County, and it's become hallowed ground for families separated by the border. People have used this park as a gathering place where they can see their loved ones on the other side of the border, but plans for the new border wall do not include gates or any space for families to see each other. Reverend Seth Clark says that he was shocked by the plans, particularly because President Joe Biden ran on a campaign promise to stop Trump's border wall, not expand it.
4: And that's really disappointing, right? Because there was this promise that things were going to be different, that there would not be any more walls.
5: Customs and Border Protection confirmed plans to replace the existing fence, but the agency did not respond to questions about public access in the future. For The California Report, I'm Gustavo Solis in San Diego.
2: California's cannabis industry is still struggling to find its footing since the state legalized pot more than five years ago. New tax breaks from the state aim to help stabilize the market, but plenty of people in the industry are still not convinced the shifts will make enough of a dent. We wanted to know what this means for all involved, so we called up David Downs. He's a senior editor at Leafly covering cannabis policy and legalization. He started by explaining to me what the market looks like right now.
4: If prohibition was a golden era for producers, new freer market forces are making uh, legalization a golden era for consumers. Um, The retail world is still bottlenecked and the illicit markets operating with impunity, undercutting those that are playing by the rules. So, I mean, the question is like, who's gonna survive medium to long-term? It looks like it's gonna be bigger, uh, lower margin whale heel businesses and all but the best medium and small growers um, might go broke. I had talked to one guy whose friend was a grower who's exiting the market right now. He's going back to his family business. They make steel. Uh, uh, California's got plenty of marijuana. What we're missing is steel right now. And so (laughs) we're having some market exits. Uh,
2: Interesting. Interesting. Um, Your answer uh, brings me to one of my other questions. Um, And that's looking at the equity and, you know, what's the problem there, which you mentioned a little bit, but maybe you can elaborate more and what needs to be done to fix it.
4: Yeah, California led the way in trying to put people uh, who were victimized by the war on drugs first for licenses. But those individuals ran into the same problems that small businesses are going to face as a whole in California, which is really suffocating red tape and really, really high taxes. And the, the AB 195, this new um, bill that passed, um, throws uh, some relief to equity businesses, but they're saying it's not enough. They're gonna, Equity businesses are going to get a $10,000 tax credit they're going to get a 20% excise tax rebate and um, there'll be more efforts like that coming, but they're saying that's still not enough because one of the real friction points is the local cannabis business taxes, which can run zero to 15% of your gross receipts for every dollar that comes in. You could be giving a dime to the city of LA. Those gross receipts tax are divorced from reality. Um, 10% might be your margin as a small business. And so for example, in LA, that 10% business tax is 2,808 times higher than the business tax on a check cashing place. In Oakland, the top business tax rate for pot is 417 times higher than the business tax rate on gun shops. Equity businesses are being hammered the hardest because they're small, they need higher margins, and they can't afford afford it.
2: And so what needs to be done to fix this?
4: I mean, um, the industry wants to see lower taxes and less regulations that'll help end the retail bo- bottleneck. So um, AB 195 includes $20 million to get cities and counties off their butts and licensing local stores. Only 32% of California cities and counties even allow retail sales. And where they do allow it, it can take years and millions of dollars to even open the front door of your store. And that's because of things like zoning, planning, sequa and permitting. And these are bigger problems in California, this reason why we're missing housing and why we're missing transit. Um, So they want to overall see that environment change because, for example, LA, the biggest cannabis market in the world legally, never licensed new stores since 2016. LA has five stores per 100,000 people. That's in contrast to Oklahoma, which has medical, has 49 stores per 100,000 people. So Oklahoma has 10x the access of Los Angeles at this point. And it's a real object lesson in how um, heavy state governments can squelch the will of the voters.
2: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, David. I appreciate your time again. Thanks, Maddie. And now to a preview of our sister show, The California Report's weekly magazine. A recent study showed that of all the counties in the lower 48 states, Ventura County's temperature has risen the most over the last 125 years. Fire, drought, winds, none of those are good for farming. Neither is Ohio's rising cost of real estate. Here's an excerpt from Lisa Morehouse's series, California Foodways, which takes her to every one of California's 58 counties to bring us a story about
1: food. When I walk into the packing house at Friends Ranches, Tony Ayala is getting ready for the weekend's farmer's markets, sorting tangerines by size.
4: So right now what I'm doing is all the smalls go there, the mediums go straight into boxes.
1: While he's working, I ask about changes he's seen in Ohio's weather.
4: Back in the late 60s, early 70s, every year there would be snow on these mountains and there would be snow for weeks on end. Now, if it snows, it lasts maybe
1: till noon that. He says was, the biggest uh, difference the for was him was something he witnessed over the course of his first career, the 25 years he spent as a firefighter and battalion chief.
4: The winter was the time to get a lot of training done and things. other things. You didn't have to worry about fire, but Thomas fires was December 3rd. I mean, that's one of the biggest fires we've had in December.
1: The Thomas Fire in 2017 caused an estimated $170 million in damages to Ventura County's agriculture industries. Flames came right over the metal building I'm standing in with Tony. They lost 3.5 acres of tangerines and avocados.
4: Citrus trees don't carry fire very well, and this whole valley is citrus, and that's what basically saved us.
1: But the fire impacted farmers in ways I'd never considered. That's reporter Lisa Morehouse.
2: Fire, drought, and rising real estate prices. What does the future hold for farming in Ohio Valley? That's this week on the California Report magazine. Tune in on your public radio station or to the magazine's podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, July 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Katie McMurrin, Danny Bringer, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Keith Mizoguchi, and Daphne Young. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. I'm Mabie Bolaños. Thanks for listening, and have a great day and weekend.
4: Support for the California Report comes from Stanford HealthCare. Alerting listeners to the critical blood shortage in the area, now is the time to donate blood and make a difference. StanfordBloodCenter.org Hint! Fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories. In stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org.